Welcome to Cases and Controversies, a Supreme Court podcast by Bloomberg Law. I'm Kimberly Robinson. And I'm Greg Storr. And this is your sneak peek episode for the week of January 9th, where the justices will kick off the new year with arguments in four cases. But first, the justices agreed to hear a dispute over the end of pandemic-era limits on immigration known as Title 42, or at least they sort of did. The justices made clear that they will not decide the merits of the Biden administration's attempt to end Title 42, but instead will consider whether GOP-led states can intervene to challenge the policy. But the court also noted that the merits of the policy are still relevant to the intervention question. So, Greg, can you give us a little bit of detail about what Title 42 does and what is it that the Biden administration is trying to do here? Sure. So Title 42 is a public health provision in the U.S. Code. It lets the CDC block people from coming into the country if they're coming from a place where there's an outbreak of a communicable disease. So early in the pandemic, the CDC under Trump invoked Title 42 to largely close the border to people who otherwise might be seeking asylum. The Biden administration is trying to end that policy, saying that the public health justification is no longer valid. I'm sorry. It just came to me as I was hearing you say that, that it seems like another case that the justices are going to be hearing in February is one in which the Biden administration seems to rely on the fact that the pandemic emergency is still ongoing. And that, of course, is with the student loan debt. That seems an interesting position to take in these two cases. Yeah. And I think the way that the Biden administration would square that circle would be to say that the student loan case is, we're not arguing that the pandemic itself is still going on, but the financial repercussions of the pandemic are still going on. And that's why they say the Secretary of Education has the authority to, to wipe out some of these student loans. Gotcha. Okay, so this case about Title 42 comes to the court through its emergency or shadow docket. And in particular, the Republican-led states here have asked the justices to pause a lower court ruling that had set aside the Title 42 policy. I always love it when we do stuff like this, where we talk about pausing lower court rulings that set aside things. It's (laughs) crystal clear. Anyway, the court in a five to four ruling did just that. And so I'm wondering, though, what does that mean for the Biden administration and what it wants to do with this policy? Yeah. So let me step back just a little bit. There are actually two prongs to this litigation. In the prong that's before the Supreme Court, as you said, a a federal district judge had declared the Trump administration policy arbitrary and capricious. And his ruling had been set to go into effect before the Supreme Court intervened at the behest of a group of Republican-led states. Along the way, the Supreme Court made a point of saying, all we're doing is staying in this district court order. We are not, and I'm quoting from the decision, it said, this stay itself, quote, does not prevent the federal government from taking any action with respect to that policy. And what the court didn't say is that there's a whole separate prong of the litigation that is actually preventing the Biden administration from taking action with respect to the policy. The administration is trying to simply repeal the rule, but a different district judge in Texas has blocked that effort, and that's now at the Fifth Circuit. And ultimately, that fight may be the one that determines the the fate of the Title 42 policy, not this what is now a fight over whether the states can intervene in, in the other case. Not clear whether we're going to see the Texas case up to the, the, the Supreme Court this term. We might well see it on an emergency basis, and then we can talk again about, uh, you know, pausing things and, and, and stopping things for now. 
So basically, the Supreme Court isn't standing in the Biden administration's way, but it's the Fifth Circuit. Is that the right way to think about it? Yeah, the Fifth Circuit, with help from a federal district judge in, in, in Texas who issued the order uh, uh, blocking that, that cancellation of the policy. Okay, so with the two cases in mind and sort of where the merits fit and where intervention question uh, stands before the justices, I'm wondering about um, this intervention question. It seems like it's not new. Uh, The Supreme Court has heard several cases um, and petitions that go to states' ability to defend or challenge executive policies, right? We heard just in December a case about whether Texas has the authority to challenge immigration deportation priorities set by the Biden administration. And there's another case pending regarding intervention of GOP-led states to defend the public charge rule, that that Trump-era rule that also deals with immigration. But nevertheless, the justices agreed to an expedited scheduling for this case. And I'm wondering... Uh, is this really an issue that needs expedited review, considering that we're only considering intervention and not the actual merits of the Title 42 policy? Well, don't ask me. Let's ask Justices Gorsuch and Jackson, because <laughs> they said the answer to that is no. They were among the four dissenters. And of course, that's an interesting pairing there. Uh, when you think of Justice Gorsuch as mm-hmm. uh, you know, a member of the conservative wing. Um, they said in an opinion uh, by Gorsuch that this whole issue of intervention, reasonable minds can disagree on that, uh, but it's not something that requires us to, to you know, provide expedited review and to intervene at this point. Uh, they went on to say that it, if the argument is that we have this border crisis and that's a reason why we need to intervene, well, in their minds, Title 42 pretty clearly isn't the way to address that. And let me quote from Gorsuch's opinion here. He writes, the current border crisis is not a COVID crisis. And courts should not be in the business of perpetuating administrative edicts designed for one emergency only because elected elected officials have failed to address a different emergency. But they were the dissenters uh, and the court did intervene. And so we'll have these arguments over whether the states can uh, intervene in defense of the, the rule. And I I don't know about you, Greg, but I wasn't really surprised that Gorsuch was skeptical of using uh, the pandemic uh, restrictions to, you know, sort of stem the tide at the border. He's been pretty skeptical of these COVID restrictions all along, going back into the early days of 2020, right? Yeah, you had a good story on that. It is a theme with him, whether we're talking about uh, a religious rights case, whether uh, we're, we're talking about uh, you know, vaccine or, or, or testing requirements, uh, he has been skeptical that the government can boldly go into new areas and certain new powers because of the, of the pandemic. Um, why don't we shift gears here? Um, the court, as you said, is back in action Monday. Can you bring us up to speed on the cases they will be hearing next week? Oh, yeah. These are these are a handful of really great cases, and I'm not being sarcastic at all about that. Uh, I I can see you're not being sarcastic. (laughs) I will say that Up First is probably the most notable case of the January sitting, at least for attorneys and in my view. The case is Enri Grand Jury, and here the justices will look at the scope of the attorney-client privilege as it pertains to dual-purpose communications. Um, Those, of course, are communications that have both legal and business purposes, And the question for the justices here is going to be what tests to apply to decide if a communication can actually be shielded from discovery or whether or not the privilege does not apply. And, you know, attorneys hate turning over all of their advice. So 
um, an interesting case where all of the amicus fall on one side, a very lopsided. It's not unheard of that we see something like that, but um, something notable. After that, the justices are going to hear a pair of labor cases. The first uh, will consider whether the Federal Labor Relations Board has the authority to regulate state militias. Uh, so here, that's the Ohio National Guard and whether or not they can get involved with a dispute with their technicians. And then the second labor case is Glacier Northwest versus International Brotherhood of Teamsters. And this one is a preemption question where the court will look at whether the National Labor Relations Act preempts the state tort claim related to the intentional destruction of property. And then finally, the justices will wrap up the week with a case about the Puerto Rican Oversight Management and Economic Stability Act or PROMESA, which has been in front of the justices a few times over the last several terms. The question this time around is whether the board's special jurisdiction precludes it from having to turn over documents to the media that it would otherwise be required to do under the Puerto Rican Constitution. So those are the four cases. Um, but we're also keeping our eye on a petition related to a New York gun law, although didn't didn't we already do this, Greg? Didn't we already have a case about New York gun laws? <laughs> we did, but, but that doesn't mean it's over. Yeah, this is an emergency application um, uh, stemming from a law that, uh, so what you're referring to is that, of course, the Supreme Court last year issued that big ruling that said people generally have a constitutional right to carry a handgun in public. Uh, that ruling struck down a New York law that had required people to show some sort of special justification to get a permit. And in the aftermath of that, New York passed a new law that, among other things, said even if you get a, car a carry permit, there are a lot of places where you can't carry it, uh, so-called sensitive locations. And they include parks, they include theaters, buses, uh, stores where the owner doesn't affirmatively consent that you can bring a, a handgun into there. The law also makes it more burdensome for applicants to show that they have the, quote, good moral character that's always been required to get a license. And they have to do things like disclose their social media accounts and provide a list of, of family members. So um, a, a federal district judge blocked that much of that law. The Second Circuit then stayed that ruling. So the law is currently in effect. And now a group of six gun rights activists are asking the Supreme Court to lift that stay meaning that much of the law would again be blocked or, or would be blocked while this litigation goes forward. So this is kind of a classic. It's pretty early in the litigation, so it would be kind of uh, extraordinary for the Supreme Court to step in at this stage before it, it has played out. But given this court, uh, given all these provisions, there's some reason to suspect that there are at least five justices who are going to be skeptical of some or all parts of this new law. And so it's it's potentially going to be a really interesting test of how assertive this court's going to be going forward in enforcing and potentially expanding the, the, the Bruin ruling. Right. I know it's not really surprising that this case is back up. There were a lot of questions left unanswered, including the very important question of whether or not NYU actually has a physical campus. Yeah, I, I, yes, I, I, I did mean cause, that. Because that's open for, you know, anybody can walk around the NYU campus. Well, NYU doesn't have much of a campus. <laughs> I, would, uh, I would go back to New York, and I think you'll find that that's wrong. Uh, don't know if we'll get an answer on that, but uh, you can follow along with that question and everything else going on at the Supreme Court at news.bloomberglaw.com. Have you ever thought to yourself, how is that legal? Why is that legal? 
Have you ever seen a big trial in the news and wondered, what's really happening there? Have you ever pondered the question, why are lawyers the way that they are? And how much money do they really make anyway? These are the things we live and breathe over at On The Merits, Bloomberg Law's weekly legal news podcast. On The Merits looks into the biggest stories playing out in the legal industry right now. And we feature the finest journalists covering the biggest legal stories from across the Bloomberg Law newsroom. You can hear it wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening.